Are the Falcons' recent roster moves gearing them up to take an offensive lineman in round one? We'll talk about that on today's Locked On Falcons. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and, of course, the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And make sure you make us your first listen. And we thank everyone that does, especially everyone that makes us their first listen each and every day. And if you're not making us your first listen or you have made us your first listen, continue to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So, guys, today we're talking about the offensive line, right? And uh, later in the episode, we'll have some guests like Scott Kennedy and Kevin Knight to talk a little bit more about some players that they think the Falcons could target, you know, later in the draft after round one, uh, including a, a couple of offensive linemen. But we're, we're talking about this because it, it comes on the heels of the conversation we had on yesterday's con uh, podcast, it, the conversation discussing the Bud Dupree signing that the Falcons made over the weekend, as well as the Jeff Okuda trade. And we've seen the Falcons now add bodies at edge and cornerback, arguably the team's two biggest needs heading into the draft. And it's been kind of under the assumption that the Falcons were adding those guys as kind of insurance policies in the event that the draft does not fall their way so that they can get those guys, uh, particularly early in the draft, especially in round one. But we haven't seen the team add another key need, which is left guard position, right? You know, and if the season were to start tomorrow, Presumably, Matt Hennessy would be their starter there. And Matt Hennessy has, what, two or three starts in his career at left guard, all came in last year. And then their only other real options at left guard are Jalen Mayfield, Justin Schaefer, two players that they've drafted over the last two years. And so with this in mind, I think we can make three basic assumptions. Either the first one being the Falcons are going to uh, planning on prioritizing uh, filling that guard need in the draft. The second assumption being you know, this team is much higher on Mayfield, Schaefer and or Hennessy being their option, their current options than we sort of think. And then the third assumption would be uh, or conclusion would be, you know, that they're planning on adding a veteran at that left guard position in order to compete for that spot with those guys that they already have in house. And they just simply haven't done it yet. And the fact that, you know, we've seen them make some recent moves the last couple of days may suggest that maybe that move is coming in the next couple of days between now and the draft. So we'll see. Right. And we've seen this team be very proactive, not only the last couple of days with making some roster moves. We've seen them in past offseason be proactive after the draft, adding players, players like Parker Hesse, Bradley Pinion, Brian Edwards, Jason Spriggs, Nick Kwiatkowski, Jalen Dalton, all players that either, you know, made the team or some of those guys started games for the team were added in the after the draft over the last two offseasons. Now, when you look at the current free agent market at that left guard position, it's not particularly robust. You have Dalton Reisner of the Denver Broncos, Ode Abushi. 
um, formerly of whoever he played with last year. He's bounced around the league a lot, so I don't remember his most recent team. I last remember him with the Lions, so maybe that was the team. You have Roger Saffold, who looked like he was kind of washed up last year with the Buffalo Bills, but maybe the Falcons kicked the tires on that. So it's certainly an option for the Falcons. Now, again, going back to the other conclusion that the team may be higher on Mayfield, Schaefer, and or Hennessy than we think, that is certainly a possibility. We did watch offensive line coach Dwayne Ledford seemingly work miracles last year, so could he work another one? That's certainly possible. But, you know, I think the downside of that is that Hennessy did get hurt multiple times last year, right? And so you're only as good as your depth on the offensive line. And so you're potentially a Matt Hennessy injury away from rolling with Jalen Mayfield, uh, protecting, you know, Desmond Ritter. Uh, and, you know, look, it's not my quarterback that I have to worry. I mean, he is my quarterback, but like, it ain't my body on the line. So if, if the Falcons want to go with that plan, that's on them. You know, I'm just going to be chilling at home with both of my kneecaps healthy, uh, you know. So if they want to go in that direction, by all means, you do you is, is what I say. I'll, I'll just reap the consequences here on the podcast with the incredible content that we get to have uh, if that is the case. So I do think, to me, the most likely conclusion is that the Falcons do plan to address this left guard hole in the draft. And we can look at sort of, a website like ESPN Sports Analytics uh, and look at a player like Peter Skaronsky, the Northwestern offensive lineman. And according to them, there's like a 90% chance that he's going to be there at pick eight. And when we talk about that compared to some of the other top consensus players, because you know, we mentioned on previous episodes of the podcast that we're operating under the assumption based off of the Falcons last two drafts that they don't typically stray away from the consensus uh, too far when it comes to their early round picks and you look at the top seven non-quarterbacks on the consensus rankings number one would be will anderson and according to espn sports analytics will anderson has a zero percent chance of lasting to the eight overall selection number three on the consensus rankings is jalen carter uh and he's about 50 55 so basically a coin flip uh, the Georgia defensive tackle, Will Anderson being the pass rusher from Alabama. Uh, number five on the consensus ranking is B. John Robinson, the Texas running back. Now, he is 100% expected to be at that available at that pick, the eight overall spot. Then you move on to number six is Tyree Wilson, the pass rusher from Texas Tech. 20 to 25% chance that he's going to fall to eight. Uh, seven is Christian Gonzalez, about a 55 to 60%, the Oregon corner there. Peter Skaronsky is number eight, 90% uh, chance that he's going to be available at pick eight. And then number nine is Devin Witherspoon, the Illinois corner, about a 40 to 45% chance. So, you know, these consensus rankings are based off of the uh, draft boards, 19 draft boards that I've personally compiled. So that's where those number, those rankings are coming from. Um, and so I think those are the kind of the guys that we're penciling in. I know other people think there's other options there, but I personally, you know, I, there are, but like those are the most likely options for the Falcons at the top of the draft. And so with looking at those consensus um, rankings and then the various probabilities put forth by ESPN Sports Analytics about their chances, it does make the Akuda trade and the Dupree signings make a little bit more sense, right? If if we are sitting here saying, okay, Tyree Wilson is, is the top option for this team and there's only a 20 to 25% chance he's going to be available at the pick. That's why the Falcons go after and, and sign a player like Bud Dupree. And when you look at players like Christian Gonzalez or Devin Witherspoon, again, you know, little more than a coin flip with Gonzalez, less than a coin flip with Devin Witherspoon in terms of their chances of being there at eight and, and particularly potentially if the Falcons only like one of those corners over the other one. 
you know, that could lead to them feeling like, okay, we do need to go out there and get Jeff Akuda as an insurance policy in case the board doesn't fall their way. And so when you look at those consensus rankings, the only players you can really say are, are almost guaranteed to be available for the Falcons pick is Bijan Robinson, the Texas running back, or Peter Skaronsky, the Northwestern offensive lineman, right? And we talked about the potential of trading back on yesterday's episode with for B. John Robinson and looking at that, would could you trade back from eight to get one of those guys? And you look at B. John Robinson or, or you look at Peter Skaronsky, right? The odds that he lasts too far after the eighth overall selection, right? It's, it seems like the, the sweet spot for uh, Skaronsky is somewhere like that nine to 12 range because you get to pick 11, the odds that he's still available there drop under 50% and then pick 13, it goes to under 13. 30% and you compare that with Bijan Robinson the drop under 50% chances of him being available uh, last to pick 15 under 30% is pick 18 so if you were going to trade back if you're the Atlanta Falcons let's say the pass rusher the cornerbacks aren't there for you at eight and you're fielding calls for teams to come up and get a quarterback because that was another thing that we discussed on yesterday's episode that the possibility of trading back goes up if not as many quarterbacks go in the top seven as we thought therefore pushing up some of these non-quarterbacks that we're talking about as a consensus rankings the pass rushers the corners or whatnot if you're going to trade back you're much more likely to be able to pick up Bijan robinson later in the draft say you move back five eight spots or something like that rather than peter skaronsky who's probably going to be there so if you're stuck with the pick let's say those phone calls don't come let's say no one really blows you away with an offer to come up for one of those quarterbacks anthony richardson cj stroud will levis or, or bryce young whoever is there at that eighth overall selection or maybe someone snatches those guys up uh before you get the opportunity you know if you're stuck with that pick it does seem like peter skaronsky might be let's say your plan c at that point in time if plan a is to take the best defensive player available if plan b is to trade back if those plans don't come to fruition, plan C is you stuck with the pick and you got to take a player. All right. Peter Skaronsky seems to be the best case scenario and seems almost a certainty. And if you know Peter Skaronsky, you feel 90% confident that Peter Skaronsky is going to be there. Why then do you need to go out there and sign a, a, a veteran left guard between now and the draft in that event? Because again, the, the analytics are telling us that it's almost a guarantee that he's going to be available at that eighth overall selection. So you can kind of wait and see and pull the trigger on Peter Skaronsky under the assumption, whether, you know, whether you agree with this or not, that he's going to be a perennial pro bowl type of guard. And you're going to have him and Chris Lindstrom, and you're going to really solidify that offensive line. So that's something I think that we can start to really talk about and consider uh, in the lead up to the draft. And so, you know, if that doesn't, happen and the draft falls a certain way then again you can still have the option of taking a guard later in the draft or you know you can go out there and sign someone like dalton reisner after the draft or something along those lines now the falcons did sign somebody on their offensive line on monday that was ethan greenage the former new orleans saint i don't think he's in the mix to push for that starting left guard spot he's only played 15 career games and really only five of them as an offensive lineman the rest being on special teams all of those games coming in 2020 he stepped in for an injured ryan ramchek for a couple of snaps uh in a game when he was out with a concussion uh especially against the detroit lions in that 2020 season he has 47 career snaps in the regular season so he's not really a guy i think the falcons are penciling in as oh this guy's going to add to the competition at the left guard position. I think he's going to be competing for a depth role 
He has experience in the preseason and in the regular season playing four out of the five offensive line positions, all except for the center position. So I really think he's being signed as another swing tackle option to push guys like Joshua Miles, uh, Jermaine Effetti, Tyler Vrabel, those types of guys. And unlike those guys, he does have that versatility that even if he doesn't necessarily win you know, the competition at the swing tackle, and again, assuming the Falcons don't add a swing tackle in the draft, you know, Greenidge has that versatility to potentially push inside and also earn a roster spot as a guard as well. So that that flexibility makes a ton of sense for him. And so we'll see how that all turns out for him. And we'll see what happens with the Falcons in terms of their round one. And, you know, before we move the conversation forward on today's Lockdown Falcons, I do want to say that. ESP and analytics is not necessarily the end all be all. We're just using them as a tool to illustrate the point of, you know, what are the chances that certain players could be there? You know, all we're doing on this podcast is guessing guys when it comes to what the Falcons will do on the draft, you know, hopefully they're semi educated guesses, but we use tools like ESP and analytics when it suits us to make some of those semi educated guesses. And so I'll link to that in the description. If you want to kind of play around with some of who's going to be potentially available and all that sort of stuff, uh, so that will be in the description below. But coming up on today's Locked on Falcons, we're going to continue our conversation with Scott Kennedy. Uh, and you can find his work on YouTube as well as under Scott Scout Kennedy on Twitter. Uh, and we've already talked with Scott last week about the team's first round options in lieu of the Okuda trade last week. Uh, but Scott also has a lot to say about the Falcons need the left guard position as well as the rest of the offensive line. And we'll talk about some other options for the Falcons later in the draft to shore up those positions. And I also want to give you guys a heads up. You'll hear Scott refer to a player as Ade Ade. He is referring to Ade Tomiwa Adabarie, the Northwestern defensive end slash defensive tackle when he says Ade Ade. So we'll get to that as we continue today's Locked On Falcons. But Grand Slams, no hitters and double plays are back. And there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means you get bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you got to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up to claim your no sweat first bet. And whether you want to bet the spread, the money line, you can do whatever you want. Bet a little, win a lot with a parlay. FanDuel has a great parlay builder. So you can combine bets on who's going to get a hit, who's going to hit a homer, who's going to you know get an RBI. So the next time Austin Riley or Matt Olson goes yard again, you can cheer even louder because you won some money. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat First bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you join FanDuel today, head to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of the MLB. Are there any other players or positions that you're 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 eyeing on the, in round oh, two? Oh, there's so many of them. Aaron, it just depends on you know how the board's going to fall. Does, does Are Are, the defensive lineman from uh, Northwestern, who runs a 4-4-9, I think it was. I think he broke 4-5 at 280 pounds in the combine, which also helps to describe why there are more injuries and concussions in the modern game, because you've got 280 pound men running for force and colliding and the brain hasn't kept up. It's a dangerous game, but you know what? If I need to get after the quarterback, he's, he's six, one in change, 280 pounds. He's kind of in that tweener mold, which could push him down into the second, but I say use that as an advantage, Aaron. He's, he's, Bigger and stronger than most edge guys and most defensive ends. And he's way too quick if I move him inside when I'm playing, you know, in, in pass wrestling situations. I see versatility. I don't see limitations. So, you know, Northwestern kid with those type of measurables, 
I'm a, I'm a fan. And I know his teammates down at the senior bowl were fans too. And, and except having to go against him all the time, because the offensive linemen voted him the best defensive lineman there. They got to vote for their opposite numbers, which was kind of cool. Jim, Jim Nagy does a good job down there in Mobile. Yeah. Now you, you talk a little bit about the offensive line. Do you feel like that's another position that you could see the Falcons addressing around too? If there is a, if there's one hole right now on the team, I might say the the biggest hole left on this team with all the work that they've been done that they've done is left guard. Um, so does does this move to do, are we starting to talk more about having an offensive lineman at number eight? It's something we've talked about before, turning a strength into a superpower. Most of these guys that could play left tackle in the near future can also play guard, could play guard for a year or two and then get out from under Jake Matthews contract, see what he's got left in the tank. You've got Caleb McGarry again for a while, but two, three years with a guy like Peter Skronsky could be okay. Broderick Jones uh, would be okay. Um, For a pure tackle, uh, Jalen Duncan out of Maryland is a guy I love, love. If he is around in the 70s and the Falcons are able to get him, it's a freaking steal. Um, Then you've got your backup. You can swing him both sides, right or left. At that guard position, Aaron, I've, I've... I take Steve Avila, Avila a lot uh, out of TCU. I think he's a plug-and-play starter at left guard. I think that really is the only real hole left on the team as far as I'm concerned. There's places you can upgrade naturally. You can always do that. But the real question mark still left on this team is left guard. Is it going to be Jalen Mayfield or Matt Hennessy? I liked Eli Wilkinson better than both those guys when he was healthy, but he's gone now. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious if- – what are your thoughts on the center position? You you talked about the potential to upgrade. Is that a position that you would be willing to to spend an early round pick to yes. potentially upgrade? I would love a guy that had the versatility to go guard center and then maybe he takes one of those two positions if if he doesn't win if he doesn't win one. Um Drew Dahlman took his lumps the first half of the season. The last four games or so. I saw a switch. I saw him turn around where I thought he was a bottom third center to an average center. Well, you might not have plus players at every single position, especially not this Atlanta Falcons team. And if you could take what they've had at center the previous 24 games to the last four or five games and carry that over to his third season, then Drew Dahlman, I thought, was okay. I, I don't think he was spectacular. I think he was good enough that I don't necessarily have to worry about the position as much. And I like the idea of having him and Hennessy and keep battling at it. Mayfield Hennessy scares the crap out of me at left guard. That one, that one scares me. So if I could get a guy that had some versatility to, to play some center, yes, I would like to keep pushing Drew Dahlman. Yes, I need a left guard that can come in and play right away. Yeah. Avila does fit that bill. He did spend a couple of years at TCU playing center before moving to left guard this past year. So certainly has that center guard versatility anybody else for you scott in round two how about john michael schmitz you were talking center uh the minnesota kid he was a senior bowl guy as well um if he's sitting around at 44 and he might be i still have this feeling and i hate using the exception to the rule as a reason well what about this guy if cole strange can go in the first round steve uh, uh john michael schmitz can go in the first round uh tipman from wisconsin can go in the first round so would I be willing to use a premium pick like number 44 on my center with a plug and play guy? Yes. I just don't think you have to. I'd rather go 
more of a straight guard in that spot, or if I'm going, if I'm going interior offensive line, um, again, Ade Ade defensive line, there's, um, Julius Brents, the cornerback, um, is a length monster. I think he has like a seven foot wingspan or something running the four threes is someone to watch. Darius Rush at corner should get second round consideration. I think he's down in the 80s on mock draft database right now, and he should be second round consideration. Six foot two running in the four threes and was blanketing guys at the senior bowl. So there's going to be every year we start hearing if the, if there aren't those superstar prospects, Aaron, that we talked about at the top of the 2021 draft, we start hearing this isn't a good draft. This isn't a good draft. Baloney. Man, in the second, third, and fourth round, there's all kinds of guys I love wide receiver running back i want to come out of this draft with a running back for the falcons i think they need another one um so lots lots of good options to do we have fun doing these mocks aaron yeah definitely <laughs> definitely like that's been my stance the whole time it's like uh, yeah i don't love the players that are potentially available at eight there's a handful of guys that i i do like certainly but like to me the sweet spot in this draft is like basically between like pick 30 and like pick 120 and if you gave me like four five six picks in that range i would feel like I would be able to walk away from this draft with a lot of good players. Maybe not that many superstars, but certainly guys that'll help you win games on Sunday. And so you know, well, actually, one of those might have gotten one of them got traded away. They now have the Falcons now have four picks between 44 and 115. 159 just became Jeffrey Okuda. That's not a bad pick. Yeah. <laughs> so they've got four in there. So I think, especially if I'm looking for de- some depth at wide receiver. If I'm looking for some depth at corner, I think if you if you want to go edge, you got to go early. Those are just those are just athletic beasts. And if you want to go edge, you, you've got to get those guys early. But I can get a running back to to help the team um, in in the fourth round. We've proven it, uh, Arthur Smith, and they they've proven it with Tyler Algier with Caleb Huntley. They've proven they can do that. So uh, I think there's some really good depth in here. So I want to thank Scott again for his insight there, but we do have another guest to wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. We're going to continue our conversation from last week with Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic and Dirty Birds and Brews podcast, and he will break down some of his second round targets for the Atlanta Falcons. But before we get there, I do want to thank everyone that makes Locked on Falcons their first listen. And for all you everyday listeners, make sure you tune in tomorrow because I believe we'll start to talk about the wide receiver position uh, in addition to the offensive line position on today's episode. So continue to make us your first listen on tomorrow's episode. So I'm here with Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic and the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. And we're talking about some potential second round options for the Falcons at pick 44 uh, in this upcoming 2023 draft. And Kevin, who, who are some of the names that you have circled on your own personal wish list of uh, potential Falcons targets? Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to sound very similar in terms of positions to the the previous uh, breakdown of the first round. But it's they can't, you know, as you know, Aaron, uh, you can't take every position at pick eight. You know, oh. you have to choose just one. Okay. Um, so the, whichever ones they don't get, <laughs> they'll probably consider strongly at 44. Um, you know, so it, it goes back to edge again, where they've met with a lot of guys like, uh, Keon white from Georgia tech, another sort of big end. Um, you've got guys like Tuli, uh, Tupilatu, who is another similar player there. Uh, BJ Ojolari. Um, this is a super deep edge class and there's a lot of guys that I think are, are going to be on the board there still, just because there's no way that the NFL is going to draft that many edge rushers in the first round. So 
you're going to have probably some pretty enticing options uh, at edge there. The same goes for cornerback um, where you could have guys like Keely Ringo potentially still there. Um, maybe guys like Cam Smith, if they fall, uh, you know, Emmanuel Forbes, who uh, I think I heard on NFL stock exchange, uh, they called him the needle. So <laughs> Emmanuel Forbes, the needle. So, you know, you got him, but other guys too, like uh, Julius Brantz, another like size speed athlete guy. Um, uh, you know, DJ Turner from Michigan. Um, they, they have a lot of options at corner too. Um, I tend to like in mock drafts, which, you know, are just one way to evaluate this thing. I tend to like the edge guys better at 44 than corner. I think the corners typically last longer um, than, and so if you don't get an edge at eight, I feel like getting an edge at 44 is probably the way they're going to go, but um, you know, it, it could change. And then of course the, the sort of the dark horse one there, there's two, some people would say wide receiver. I, I generally don't love the wide receivers at 44. I don't think it, it's great. I don't think this is a great wide receiver class um, at the top. So I typically prefer to wait there, but there are definitely guys like Cedric Tillman. If you like him that much um, in that range, I know there's some Jalen Hyatt and Jalen Hyatt lovers out there. Personally, I don't really think it's a fit for the Falcons. Um, he doesn't block Aaron. So uh, yeah. that, that takes him off the board and you know that. So yeah. uh, <laughs> I do really like Marvin Mims. Um, so like if, if they love Marvin Mims, he's not going to be there in the third round. So um, they might have to do something like that. But um, offensive line is the other one. We got your boy, uh, Cody Mock, right? Um, I think he's someone that makes a ton of sense. Uh, Joe Tipman, the set, the big center who can definitely p- play guard from Wisconsin. Um, I know you're not a huge fan of Osiris Torres. They, they did not that you're not a fan of him, but you're yeah. not necessarily a fan of his fit to the Falcons, yeah. which I think makes sense. He did tests like better than I thought he would, and ma- and I think I think to to fit in this scheme, he'd probably have to drop like 10, 15, 20 pounds. Um, maybe he could. Uh, he is a really good player, but it, you're asking a lot of a guy to to drastically change their playing weight. So, um, you know, that group, uh, John Michael Schmidt's probably not going to last that long. So, but I think those other guys, uh, I, I think you could get a really good offensive lineman. And considering that they haven't really done anything at left guard, that might be more of a possibility than a lot of people are thinking. Now, you mentioned a couple of edge and in, in corners um, of, of potential options. Is there any one player out of that group that you know you would be fist pumping if the Falcons wound up snagging in round two I really love Tuli Tupalatu I, I think he's super underrated uh I I love production especially when it's like power five production I mean pack 12 power five whatever but you know <laughs> but I mean he's so fun um very much like that hybrid inside outside guy played more edge this year played more inside in previous years um has good length is definitely not like a Calais Campbell though, where he's like six, eight. I mean, I think he's like six, two or six, three. So, um, he's so good. Uh, I think he's really underrated. So I like him. I think Keon white is more of that. Like you're looking for the next sort of Calais Campbell type of, of size player. Um, and, and white is probably more of that base end, uh, and, and interior pass rusher where I think Tupelatu could possibly be, an, a full edge if you if you kept him closer to like 260 270 but um i think both of those guys white and and Tupilatu are are guys that i would be very very happy to get there and and bj ojalari too i just feel like bj ojalari is a great player but the, it's sort of redundant with like arnold abacati and d'angelo malone and lorenzo carter like they would then have like four of the same guy 
in their edge room. And I, I think they're probably trying to diversify a little bit more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would tend to uh, agree there getting somebody who can, you know, cause we heard Calais Campbell say that they envision him for the cam Jordan role. And as you said earlier, when we were talking about the round one guys, Calais Campbell's only under contract for one year. So you would imagine you would want to find your quote unquote, long-term Calais, uh, cam Jordan uh, in this draft. And certainly I think, you mentioned some of those guys in round one as well as round two that could certainly fit that bill. So, guys, that's going to do it for us. Again, want to thank Kevin Knight for joining us on today's episode. Still more to come from both Kevin and Scott. I believe both of those guys talked about the wide receiver position, so that's in store potentially on tomorrow's episode. Had a couple of other guests come on, talk about you know some potential wide receiver targets and options for the Falcons, so that may also be in store on tomorrow's episode. Those include Matt Waldman and Savion Mixon. Uh, so, you know, if the Falcons do something different. We might potentially audible and move away from the wide receiver position, but that is the plan for your first listen tomorrow. Continue to subscribe to locked on Falcons on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for your second listen, you want to get more and deeper into the NFL draft. And of course the locked on NFL draft podcast with Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson, as well as the locked on NFL scouting with the draft dudes. Those are Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino are also available on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's all part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day.